do every single Saturday on these airwaves. My name's Casey Steed, the voice of your valley. On Merced's News Talk 107.3 FM, 1480 AM, KYOS. That's for you, Marilyn. Every single Saturday on these airwaves. Today is Saturday, March 21st, 2020. No shrimp feed tonight. The shrimp boats will not be pulling into the harbor of the Merced County Fairgrounds. Matter of fact, not not much is pulling on over there at the Merced County Fairgrounds. Talked to Teresa Barola earlier in the week. I believe she was on these airways. They still plan on having the fair. At this point, uh, you can get your submissions in for the exhibits. You know, the photography, the knitting, sewing, crocheting, so many different things that you can do, which might occupy some time, free time that people have as they are asked to stay at home. I have not been asked to stay at home. Uh, we're here as an essential industry. So we try to uh, bring you some information as best we can with the resources we have. And I was really, really, really honored to have former Sheriff Mark Pazin, current head of Office of Emergency Services, the Law Enforcement Division, other, other uh, responsibilities under his umbrella. He came in and talked to us. Actually, it was over the phone because of abundant caution. We don't want to... Uh, Get anybody uh, infected? Trying to, trying to, uh, you know, adhere to the social distancing, that sort of thing that's been requested, and we're doing that here in the station. A lot of folks are working from home. Just the on-air staff is required to come in here because this is where the equipment is. <laughs> you know, back in the day, KYOS they used to broadcast out there at the transmitter on Old Lake Road in a little Quonset hut, kind of like Wolfman Jack. Really, you talk about isolated, but uh, here today we have six stations, as you know. So we all kind of mingle, but we're taking precautions. Try to uh, clean the studio up after we leave. And Trust me, if we haven't got sick in here by now, if you've seen, uh, it's a small facility. We're doing pretty good, but hopefully everybody out there is doing well, too. And The information we brought uh, from Mark, uh, from Mr. Pazin, I don't know really what to call him, a commander? I don't know what the title is up there, Office of Emergency Services, Chief Payson. Uh, he, he gave us some good information about how this has proceeded, where we're headed. Okay, we don't have to worry about martial law. They're not going to start blocking off intersections, nothing like that. Just need to take some due diligence, uh, keep the supply chain not stressed out, especially when it comes to groceries, water, those uh, necessities that we all need. I'll need to share. I think there will be plenty. I've heard that Save Mart's going to hire. Well, they have an ad in the paper, 2,000 people. Uh, I think they have a distribution center over here right off of 99. They have for years. So, you know, maybe uh, maybe there will be some jobs here locally. I know that's not a lot, but uh, it's something. And, of course, as we talk to Mark Pazin, the highways, all of those things need to be kept open. A lot of maintenance that goes on with that construction. I was watching uh, one of the news channels that, because of the lack of traffic, construction projects, especially when it comes to infrastructure, roads, bridges, those type of things where you have to have shutdowns, freeways, highways, you know, work at night, able to get a little more done, less congestion, less uh, traffic, you know, watch out for the cone zone type of thing. So I guess there's some benefits, you know, you have to look at the silver linings where you can. Now, one thing that we want to try to do here on Citizen Watch is to talk about things that are still going on, you know, the regular news, the normal workings of government, because that's what we do, what we have done. Of course, this is a big issue. 
I had hoped to have Darren McDaniel, District 3 Supervisor, current Chairman of the Board, Board of Supervisors, on the show. And we talked. Obviously, he's very busy. He was over there at the uh, county offices when we talked, along with Scott Silvera, the District uh, Supervisor for over there. The West Side. West Side is the best side. Las Manas, Dos Palos, those areas over there. And they're, you know, obviously very, very busy. Minute by minute, hour to hour, uh, making decisions about how to prepare, what to do for this crisis. So, you know, it's kind of hard to talk about McCag and the dump and different things we have to do, you know, sorting out our uh, greasy paper waste. I don't know. It just kind of seems kind of trivial at this moment. So we put that interview off. Now, we will have Darren and the supervisors, Jim Brown, whoever, would like to come in from the county as we've had Dr. Kirsten Sullivan from the Merced County Health Department talk about some of the issues going on, you know, to give you updates about this issue. But, uh, you know, some of the other stuff, I guess I'll just cover myself. Kind of hard to have guests and not not uh, veer into this issue. The other person we were going to talk a little bit with this week was Mayor Mike Murphy, City of Merced Mayor Mike Murphy, about some of the accomplishments he wants to get done uh, in his last few months as Merced Mayor. A lot of things have gone on. This obviously... Uh, this issue has risen to be one of the biggest issues of not only his council tenure, but as the mayor of Merced. He's done a wonderful job as mayor over the last four years, and uh, I know this issue he will uh, tackle head-on and has and, and is doing that, and we hope to have some updates from him also later in the week on Merced County Morning News. As you know, we have our morning news show from 6 to 7 a.m. It's been going very well. It's a little early to wake up. But, uh, you know, I do it for the love of the community, and we uh, really appreciate the station supporting us that way. We made that decision well, a couple of years ago. It took a long time to get it in place, toyed around with the format, and I think we have a winning format. We want to have more guests. Again, this time it's difficult to uh, get people in, but uh, we do the best we can. So hopefully Mayor Murphy will come in along with other city officials. We've had Mike Conway the PIO, talking about some of the changes going on at the city. Of course, you know, City Hall is pretty much closed to walk-in traffic. Uh, now it's uh, closed to the employees. They're pretty much working from home. But again, we're going to bring you the information along with uh, about this issue, but other things too. So let's do a little bit of that. Of course, we had the elections on March 3rd. It's hard to believe that uh, just three short weeks ago, that was predominantly in the news, uh, not only on the national scene, presidential election. It looked like we were headed for the uh, Socialist uh, Republic of the United States there, but it uh, didn't happen. Uh, it was not the USSR. No, uh, Bernie Sanders, he's fallen. Uh, really hasn't suspended his campaign yet. Or, well, I guess he has suspended. Hasn't dropped out of the race. That's a better way to put it. They're still reevaluating the path forward, which while he has a lot of delegates, Joe Biden has really, uh, really moved on through the ranks. Of course, the Democratic administration realizes the handwriting on the wall if Bernie Sanders was the nominee. Now the real question is who's going to be the vice presidential nominee for Joe Biden. It was kind of interesting a couple of weeks ago, the last presidential debate, I believe it was on a Sunday night, uh, committed to naming a female for vice president. Didn't have any uh, anybody in mind at this point, but uh, they did make that commitment. They tried to pin Bernie Sanders down on that same sort of commitment. He said he would definitely look at that, but had not uh, made that sort of uh, 
decision yet. So that was kind of interesting. Uh, again, uh, the race, very, very cool right now. They're not even having any public rallies, any type of uh, things like that. It's all you know over the Internet, virtual uh, town halls, those type of things, whatever you want to call them, virtual campaign events. So, uh, But I did want to read something from Barbara Levy, Registrar Voters. This is dated March 20th. It's fresh. It's yesterday. And it's a post-election update. Now, what's interesting to me, you know, I've been kind of reading some of the results on the air. And the, the only race that's really close, and no, it's not Measure J. Now, that one, that one got blown out of the water. Still uh, a big no on that one. Uh, 54% was 55. It's come down a point, but... Still a, still a big no on Measure J. Same way with Measure O, the tax measure in Atwater. Uh, just not even at 60% yet needed 66%. Some people had mistakenly thought that was passed because it was over 50, but no. Different, uh, different thresholds for different types of taxes. Measure J was a 55%. The college bond, uh, again, did not achieve that. Nowhere close. Now, had it been Measure O, it would have achieved that because there was 59%, but that needed two-thirds. And again, with my MCOE math, uh, that's over 60%. I know that. I think it's under 75 Anyway, the other uh, race that's really, really close, and it's kind of interesting, and again, these are updated. Numbers were updated as of uh, about 5 o'clock yesterday, along with this letter that I'm going to read eventually. Don't worry. Is the uh, District 1 race with Rodrigo Espinosa and uh, so, uh Sonia Alshami, excuse me, didn't mean to mispronounce your name. Uh, that's that has been a close one, my friends. Very, very close. Only about five thousand votes, a little over five thousand votes in that race. But here's the number, and again, I've got a, I've got my crossouts where I've done the math. But twenty five fifty five for Rodrigo Espinosa, the incumbent. Twenty four seventy for Sonia. And what was interesting, 60 write-ins. Now, I had to do some higher math because 55 from 70, man, I had to move numbers over. But I did come up with 65 is the difference in the votes. So when you add, uh, let's see, not add, when you deduct the write-ins of 60, that's only a five-vote difference. Now, I know the write-ins are for different people. But I'm just saying, you know, it gets to that one vote, you know, every vote counts, blah, blah, blah. Now, they still have to do, well, here, let me read the letter from Barbara. Levy, Barbara J. Levy, the registrar of voters. The canvas of the presidential primary election remains in progress. Many processes and requirements have been completed, including roster reconciliation, review of all materials returned from the precincts, and the duplication of all damaged military and overseas ballot. The required 1% hand tally of randomly selected batches and precincts which corresponded with and verified counts done by the high-speed tabulators, is complete. Payroll processes for more than 435 poll workers, as well as more than 25 field teams and election night workers, is nearing completion and will soon be submitted for processing. The tabulation of all VBM ballots, that's vote by mail, for which a valid signature has thus far been received was completed today. The processing of ballots that were cast as either provisional or conditional provisional is ongoing. At this time, fewer than 900 of these remain to be processed. Upon, oh, excuse me, updated election results were posted today. And I just gave you those. Again, not much change. You know, props 13 still losing. I told you about O and J, blah, blah, blah. Uh, precinct level detail 
is available for download in various formats from our results page, which is important to a lot of folks. They want to, you know, there's certain precincts that vote more than others. Uh, candidates like to hit those, see what sort of results they got from those, what their efforts were. So it's really uh, great for kind of a debrief uh, of, what, of what went down on election day. That's available now. On Monday, uh, coming up, that'll be the 23rd, right? Uh, let's see, on Monday, we will begin the review of write-in candidates. Certified write-in candidates were possible in the following contest. President of the Democratic, Republican, Green, and Libertarian parties and State Assembly Member District 21. Now, why this is important is Adam Gray was perceived as being, you know, pretty much unopposed. But in your jungle primary, which California is, the top two vote-getters uh, in, in these races uh, move on, like Jim Costa and Mr. Crookingham will move on as the top, top two vote-getters vote for the District 16 congressional race, which is uh, what we're represented here locally on the federal level. And then at the state assembly level, member District 21, Adam Gray, will have a challenger. We just don't know out of the write-in ballots, which there were, and I didn't look at the total, folks, but I think it was like 1,000. Don't remember the total. Anyway, so somebody will go against Adam, whoever got the most. The unofficial, I'm reading from the letter, the unofficial election results may be viewed at the Merced Elections webpage or from the Merced County main webpage. You go to Merced Elections, hit Elections, tab over uh, March 3rd primary, boom, it is all there. Really user-friendly. Really got to give the county credit for making these websites much more, much more user-friendly. The website totals currently reflect ballots voted at the polls and vote-by-mail ballots, as well as provisional or conditional ballots cast processed as of today. The canvas will continue until complete, of course. California law requires certification of this election to be on or before Friday, April 3rd, 2020. It is anticipated that we will complete our canvas and certify this election no later than Tuesday, March 24th. So again, ahead of the curve by, uh, what, week and a half? Barbara J. Levy, Sarah, I don't know what that means, assessor, clerk, recorder, registrar, voters, just all around great, great employee of the county, doing a wonderful job over there, and again, giving us those updates. Again, the county website, very, very informative. So the election, while it, uh, you know, kind of in the back of people's minds, uh, still very important. And of course, we're going to have an election coming up, coming up in November, the uh, presidential primary, and... Uh, of course, we know who's going to be on the Republican side, Donald Trump, Donald J. Trump. And then on the Democratic side looks to be, of course, I don't know, the uh, Democratic convention. I believe it's in Milwaukee this year. It's going to be kind of interesting. The burners are still uh, still trying to push the, the candidate over the line. Oh, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. Wanted to talk a little bit. Uh, wanted to again thank Mark Pazin for coming in this morning. On our 6 and 8 a.m. show. And again, folks, if you want to hear any, we have 73, 74 shows up there now on our platform. You just go to 1480kyos.com. That's our website. You'll see the Citizen Watch banner. You click on it. All the shows are there. Click on them. They should just start playing. You don't need any uh, special, uh, you know, other than a Windows Media Player, I believe. Anything super special. You don't need to download an app, anything like that. On your mobile device, you might need to. I'm not sure. But if you can't listen to us in real time when we air at 6, 8, and 9 a.m., you can listen to us anytime on our website, 1480kyos.com. Get a lot of good hits on the show. Some not so good. You know, last week we were a little discombobulated. You know, everything that's going on here in the uh, in the state, in the world, 
But like I say, we're going to try to bring you more, you know, the meetings, what what, what goes on, how they're going to do them. I mean, that's really a big question, quite frankly, how we're going to uh, take the public comment. You know, this week we did have the City of Merced Council meeting went off on the 16th. Kind of interesting. They uh, had to institute the social distancing, not only in the audience members, but with the council themselves. They were all spread out. And what I thought was really kind of cute was on the tote board, the... Uh, Vote board, you know, uh, yes, no, abstain, whatever. They had the names. They were spread out, too. <laughs> Usually they're, you know, one right after another, uh, maybe a gap or something. But even they were spread out. You didn't want the votes getting, uh, have the votes have any sort of issues. But they had uh, normally where the, some of the city staff, Stephanie Dietz, those sort of folks that was seating for some of the council members. Jill McLeod was actually on the phone. We've had Del Rey uh, via uh, tele, what is it, the video conferencing before. I don't know if Jill was just staying out of the council chambers for a reason, if uh, she had an issue. I know she's in the healthcare industry. But again, it was able to be uh, worked out. They were still allowing public comment, even though there wasn't a lot. Uh, I haven't watched the whole meeting. I'll report on a little bit as time allows here. What well, we have remaining today, but uh, no speakers, no public speakers, you know, during the uh, first portion. Of course, they did have the Merced County Health Department give up a, uh, get up at the first part of the meeting a very, very thorough presentation on where we're at, testing, the drive-through testing, some of the questions. And again, we've covered those on our news show uh, since Monday. It's kind of old news. Things are progressing, as you know. Uh, what else? They talked about the state of emergency, of course, instituting that. Uh, they had an abatement issue over there at 1716 East 23rd. Uh, wanting to recoup the cost the city had. I'll tell you, they showed the pictures. This thing's been going on since 2016. Again, there's numerous uh, residents, homes, lots, abandoned buildings in Merced that the Code Enforcement Division, uh, really getting serious about it now, I would say in the last two years, again, under Mayor Murphy's direction, the city council's direction, the city attorney's a direction and over, oversight along with some funds dedicated specifically for some legal actions. And this was one of the uh, processes to recoup costs, to place a lien on the property to cover not only the cost of abatement, but the cost of services, law enforcement, fire. They have it all itemized. It's amazing. You know, a half hour costs you so much and they're going to come after you. So this abatement, very, very serious, but it was just terrible what was going on, what the neighbors had to put up with. Kind of interesting that uh, the ball really got rolling, even by the admission of code enforcement after uh, one of the neighbors next door, after a fire that happened in the backyard where some uh, homeless were camped out, uh, contacted the local one of the local news stations. And suddenly uh, things uh, really, really started uh, moving. So now it's a vacant lot. Neighbors are happy, don't have the health issues and that sort of thing. That was one of the deals they talked about. One of the council members brought up a concern about some houses in his area. Actually, it's kind of a big uh, complex over on McGregor Street. I'm not quite sure where that is. Over there in District 2, I believe, uh, some of the residents evidently have been complaining. And code enforcement had good luck, good news, and good luck, I guess. They, they'd already been on top of it. Uh, cons con consisted of about nine homes that have all now uh, been... Uh, vacated by people there were actually people living in there according to code enforcement and when they went in and saw how uh, substandard the conditions were immediately 
uh, got this single mother and her children into uh, adequate housing. Uh, and I mean immediately. So again, code enforcement is not cold-hearted. The police department, they're really there to help these situations. Uh, a lot of times the tenant, it's no fault of their own, and they really don't know what their rights are. And this was a situation Jackie Hicks with code enforcement explained uh, everything they did for this uh, situation, talked to the owner, and got voluntary compliance. It was a really good thing. Uh, indicated the owner's going to pull out the permits to demolish uh, all nine buildings and rebuild with new structures, uh, new housing, which is uh, the idea, right? Infill, uh, replace what's there, uh, provide uh, decent standard housing, uh, not substandard housing. So again, this is this is what it's all about. Kind of takes a little, uh, you know, a little pressure, a little, uh, you know, just uh, showing up, making sure that everybody knows what we kind of expect as a community. And so it's really good. So that was a that was a good outcome, really good result. And this is happening. They have a list down there, I guess, at the police station, uh, ten, uh, the, the top ten, if you will. And as one moves off or they uh, start getting uh, compliance, they they put a new one on. So there's always pressure on about ten of these homes. I'm sure there's. There's something in your neighborhood, you know, this this blight, unfortunately, isn't um, specific to one area, north side, south side, you name it, west side. Uh, then there was some talk, man, we're running out of time, go so quick. There was some talk about quiet zones, the trains, uh, the horns, also as it relates to pedestrian and traffic safety. You know, I'll tell you folks, when we look at the how we're going to finance this thing, there really is no good plan. I know there was some uh, back and forth between the mayor and one of the councilmen uh, got a little a little heated. Uh, and again, it really, uh, I don't know, kind of came down to what, you know, how we're going to pay for this thing, what our priorities are, which was, which was discussed later in the council meeting, the goals and priorities uh, portion of the meeting. But this uh, homeless, or excuse me, homeless, quiet zone plan, uh, trying to do the horns. I, again, I think corridor safety, rail corridor safety, pedestrian safety, vehicle safety, very, very important. But the blowing of the horns, uh, come to find out that really it's going to be hard to implement this in the entirety of Merced for at least, at least 10 years. And the costs are not known. We don't know what the costs are from from the uh, BNSF, the Burlington Northern. And again, we're just looking at one rail corridor. We're not looking at the Union Pacific, Southern Pacific, whatever you want to call it. They feel that will be done when Ace Train comes through, HSR, if it ever comes through. But Burlington Northern Santa Fe cannot even commit to costs. There's only really two easy intersections to do, and they're each end of town, Highway 59 and Glen. Of course, Glen would need uh, some major work as far as the medians, changing the stop signs there. But again, uh, could not apply for the entire zone through the city until all of the other intersections are done in the interior of the city. And at the current plan, even and it's really just kind of a, a conception because the funding, is it going to be for Measure C? which is our public safety tax. Uh, there's a little pushback on the council from Councilman Martinez on that. He didn't want to see that that be uh, used for quiet zones. And then, of course, we have Measure V, uh, possibly going to Washington, D.C. with one voice. Again, I don't know if these are possibilities, but the devil's in the details with the funding. And I think that was uh, some of the concern echoed in the meeting. But, uh, again, council went ahead and passed that on. What are we doing here? Council went ahead and passed that on, uh, moved it forward to uh, try to find funding for that. So 
That's where we stand on quiet zones. I'll cover more of the city council meeting later on in the uh, show. I guess it'll be next week's show because we're running out of time. I'll tell you, it goes quick. Hope everybody uh, is doing okay out there. We'll try to bring more news to you during the week on our Merced County Morning News, 6 to 7 a.m. And, of course, you want to join us next week on Citizen Watch. My name's Casey Steed, the voice of your valley on Merced's News Talk, 107.3 FM, 1480 AM, KYOS. Take care of each other, be safe, and we'll see you next weekend. Bye-bye.